Now, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the program. I'm Bobby Curran, along with Liz Stacy in the studio with us this morning. We have a lot of things uh, to get over with. We have so many events taking place here in the islands. In the Iolani Classic, after the good tournament won by the girls uh, team from uh, Sidwell Friends, now the boys are at it, and they are—they've got some really terrific talent in from the mainland. Well, we're going to be talking about that a little bit later. I, I do want to do this first, though, because I think people were shocked yesterday when the Seattle Seahawks came from behind to hand the Philadelphia Eagles another loss. I mean, that was—I don't think anybody saw that coming, particularly when they were up. Uh, you know, they, they needed, Seattle needed a touchdown, and they only had, um, you know, so much time to do it in. I don't know, a minute something. And a great, great performance by Drew Locke late. I mean, this is a guy who paid his dues in, entirely. I mean, he didn't get much of a chance. He got beaten out even when traded to Seattle this year. A lot of people thought he'd beat out Geno Smith. He didn't. But he stayed ready. And in, was, coaches always say, when you get a chance, you've got to be ready. And he took that to heart. And he made sure he was ready. He didn't find out that he was starting till he got to the stadium yesterday. How crazy is that? But that's what happened for him, and he was terrific down the stretch. Don't get me wrong. There were good catches made as well. But I just think his performance was lights out. And you could tell his enthusiasm for it and his excitement when the game was over and he was being interviewed. He was... uh, he said, it's beyond amazing. I thought it was a great quote. And it was beyond amazing. No question about it. I mean, you couldn't say anything but. I think people, and it's funny, people are talking about uh, the, how the failings of the Philadelphia Eagle defense. The defense was fine. I think that, you know, they gave up a couple of plays late, but that game shouldn't have been that close. The problem for Philadelphia yesterday was their offense. I mean, in the last four games, Philadelphia has, I don't know what the average of this is, but 13, 17, 19, and what did they have yesterday, 20? I mean, oh, my goodness, awful. I mean, that's not good. That's not good enough for a team that's nothing close to the other top teams around the league in terms of this scoring. So I would say the problem for the Eagles right now is on the offense, not the defense. Now, I get it. Jalen Hurts was sick. I'm not throwing Jalen Hurts under the bus. I just think, and he kind of called out his team for a lack of intensity after the game, apparently. I I think that's interesting because Jalen Hurts is giving you everything he's got. He was sick. He decided he would try to play anyway. Nick Sirianni, the Eagles coach, went along with that. So my thought is you can't fault you can't fault Jalen Hurts. He wanted to play. He felt like he could do it. That's if you're not ready to play, if he's not ready to play, that's for Nick Sirianni to decide. You got a very capable backup in Marcus Mariota. To me, that was I, I in retrospect looking at it, maybe I take that option. Because I don't think Hurts was bad, but he was a tick off. That's how I would put it. It's almost seven minutes past the hour. If you have something you want to weigh in on, 
please do. 808-296-1420. I, I got to say this, though, and I'm, this is uh, to Curtis Murray, I'm a, among others, but I just think when healthy, the 49ers just, they're not going to lose 31-3 to to Buffalo, as the Dallas Cowboys just did. I mean, they're not going to lose to some teams that are less than stellar, like the Philadelphia Eagles have done. I just think you got to say that healthy, the San Francisco 49ers are a runaway for the best team in the, in the conference. Might be the best team in the league. Is, is how I'm thinking. But I think maybe Baltimore could give them a run for it in the East. Uh, the AFC, oh no, I'm sorry, I said the, it is the AFC, but it's not the East. It's the Central. And so I just think, yeah, I think that the, that's maybe them, maybe if somehow, some way, Kansas City gets back into action and then the other one would be the Miami Dolphins. That's it. I don't see any other teams that can uh, are likely to beat the 49ers or have a real good chance to do it. That's my thought. You, yours might be slightly different. Go ahead and uh, give us a ring. It's eight minutes past six o'clock. We are going to have a special guest today, and I could not. I don't think I could say it uh, a pro, you know, in in strong enough terms how good a coach I think Sterling Carvalho from Kahuku is. He has just got his team ready. Uh, to play at all times. And I'm going to tell you, give you a little hint of that when he comes on with us in just a little while. I'll give you a little hint of why they're so good and why they're always representative. And uh, that'll be fun to do. They're just coming off their most recent state championship. And, uh, boy, it was a what a game that was uh, over Milidani, 21-19. to That's after Milidani won the OIA championship, 28-21. I mean, you talk about teams that are relatively even and really, coaches say, can come down to one or two plays in a game. And I think in that case, it's exactly what happened. So we'll have lots to talk about when we have Sterling Carvalho on it, including – uh, and especially why I wanted to have him on, not only to congratulate him, but to uh, kind of pick his brain about how this NIL and transfer portal and all that stuff, how is it affecting high school football? I mean, because a lot of people are saying you're killing high school football because the people aren't recruiting high school seniors like they used to. They're now looking for the to get ready-made players out of the portal. And, and they have the NIL resources to help them pay for it. Is that affecting good schools with great players like Kahuku or Mililani? Now, I think that we have a lot of schools in Hawaii that have one or two really good Division One level prospects. But the teams that have a lot of them are pretty much right now, I would say you could still probably throw St. Louis and Punahou in there to some extent, but really it's Mililani and uh, Kahuku. I, I love the fact that the OIA has come on so strong. The kids are transferring home to play for their school in their community. I think that's fabulous. You couldn't say enough about it. And now you couldn't fault the coaching either. The coaching in the OIA at the high levels is absolutely spectacular. That's how it is. And, uh, I mean, I... I think that even when they go play the mainland teams or the mainland teams come here, it's evident. I think everybody can see it that Hawaii high school football is no joke. 
And I, I think a lot of coaches on the mainland have known that for a long time. Some people are just coming around to it. Seems like a Hawaii high school has to win and win huge for a long period of time before they get nationally ranked. And then they get ranked in a hurry. All it takes, you gotta, you start beating the, the John Boscos and the, the modern days, and you're getting people's, you're getting LaSalle, you're getting people's attention. I, I just think that's inevitable, and that's what's happened. It's 11 minutes past 6 o'clock. A little reminder, tonight is the, uh, I guess you call it, I think they're calling it the Coaches versus Cancer Fundraiser. And that's tonight at the Connie Capilla Grill at the Outrigger Reef Waikiki Beach Resort. We'll be uh, with all the coaches and a lot of other interested uh, people that wanted to come and help uh, donate uh, by buying a ticket, and you do a big, uh, a big solid for the organization if you do it, which is terrific. There's a lot of other corporate entities ha- that have weighed in on this, so I'm actually thinking this is going to be a fi- another spectacular event. Iran Kanat has kind of stepped in where Jim Beheim was for all those years in being maybe the leader. Uh, in the country and in keeping this thing not only alive but vibrant. And uh, the fact that all eight coaches are going to be there for this event, that's amazing. First year, I think they got a couple, then then a few more, and finally it filled up, and it's filled up ever since with eight coaches that have come to do their bit uh, to support coaches versus cancer in any way they can. So I am going to be thrilled if you can make it down there today. Uh, Special thanks to Daryl Garvin, uh, and he runs the Hawaii Bowl also, or uh, Ngei Shimbara, who has done a lot to keep this thing going. Uh, We're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to have... Sterling Carvalho, the championship football coach for this year, 2023. We'll be right back on The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning and welcome back uh, to our uh, Tuesday edition of the program. And as I introduce my next guest, I'm going to tell you a little anecdote. Our guest is Sterling Carvalho, the head football coach at Kahuku, who is coming off another state championship in the open division. But when I, so first of all, good morning, Sterling. This is your bright, I'd say good morning and it's awfully early, but not for you. No, good morning. No, not not for us. We work out at 5 o'clock, so this is actually great for me right now. I, I have got to say this, that when I talked to you the other day and you said, yeah, I said 617. Now, I've got a lot of people that I call and they say, oh, you got anything later? And, you know, I said, what are you thinking? And they're thinking, well, you know, I, I said I could do 636, but I only have one hour. So, uh, but when you said, oh, it's great because we work out at 5, I thought if people want to know why is Kahuku so good? Let me just give you a heads up, because they're working while other people are sleeping. And so I congratulate you not only on your state championship, but on the culture you've created. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We have this mindset 
eight days a week, one day off, right? There you go. <laughs> That's perfect. I, you know, I remember Charlie Wade, the UH men's volleyball coach, used to kids who come and say, you know, what do I have to do to play? Because you want to play? You want to play more? You know, play better. You want to play better? Work harder. It's very, it's, it's, he said it's very simple. And uh, so I think that you guys have taken that approach to heart and everybody really works at it. I, I also, and I couldn't say this without also lording uh, up to Rod York because he has done a terrific job at Mililani and, and they've proven to be a very worthy opponent for your Raiders, your Red Raiders. Yeah, definitely. You know, Rod York has a program going in the right direction. You know, I... This was one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you in addition to congratulating you on your success is I thought you'd have a unique perspective on this on two things, the transfer portal in college football and the NIL. I've heard people telling me you're killing the recruiting of high school seniors. People are going into the portal. They'll take someone else's player that's already been developed rather than a high school senior. I don't think that applies to the very top end of the high school guys, but a kid who used to maybe get a, get a scholarship to say, I don't know, Portland, uh, Portland State, might, not be, might be left out now because those schools will go into the portal and find a guy that was unhappy at his current school. Are you finding that to be true? Yeah, you know, as, as I talk to college coaches, as they come around recruiting, you know, they, they say two things. You have some coaches who say the exact same thing, right? Why would I take a, a 17, 18-year-old senior as compared to a 20, 21, 22-year-old developed man, per se, right? Sure. Um, especially now with this mentality of got to win, you look at coaches in the pros and in college, they get fired mid-season, yeah. But yet you have these other coaches that would rather develop their players that will be committed to their program rather than taking someone from the transfer portal for one year and then they're looking for the next best thing. So you have different approaches, different philosophies of coaches with is, this going on. Is this hurting any of your kids as far as guys who 10 years ago would have been snapped up by colleges who are now having to maybe go junior college route or or really scramble to get a scholarship? Yeah, you know, usually colleges had like, you know, 12, 16 scholarships set aside. Now for high schoolers, they probably have, you know, anywhere from six to eight. Right. So it does kind of hurt the overall recruiting of our high school players. But nonetheless, I mean, if you can play, these coaches will find a way to get you something. You know, and you, you, Mililani, I think St. Louis still, Punahou, for example, seem to always have multiple, you know, multiple kids who get Division One scholarships. I think it's tougher sledding for some of the other uh, high school football players here. I mean, some schools will have a great one once in a while. But I, I just I hate to see, that especially if a kid can't find a place to go. I mean, even junior college, if you can get a scholarship, that's one thing. But otherwise, to just to have to go on your own dime because some of the schools don't give scholarships at the JC level, that's tough. Yeah, that is tough. And I think that's why PWOs are becoming um, more apparent now, uh, more pleasing to a lot of high schoolers that if they can prove themselves after the first year, um, then they can probably develop and get a scholarship. So PWOs, you probably hear more high school students being offered that. Now tell us what, what exactly PWO is. So a PWO is a preferred walk-on. 
So with a preferred walk-on, you're, you're guaranteed a spot on a team. Right. So, you know, you, you're already enrolled in school. You get to come out. So you're not like a walk-on trying out, you know, prior to spring. You're already a spot on a team. And then from there, you, you earn a, a chance for a scholarship and, and whatever else that may be. But at least they get you in the door, get you on the team, get you into the school. Now, back in the day, that's exactly what I was, a PWO. <laughs> so I, I understand exactly what that means. Uh, tell me about the development of some of your players that have worked themselves into the position to be a scholarship athlete. I mean, you've got some great kids on that team. Who are the ones that have come the furthest? You know, right now, um, as far as a PWO, this year we know we have um, Diesel Kamoku, who got a PWO at the University of Utah, who have um, earned that. Um, you have other players out there that wasn't like Hercule Latu right now. He's scrambling, going to Montana, different different areas um, as far as getting a scholarship. But otherwise than that, a lot of our kids already are scholarship players because they come to Kahuku and they know the type of player they're getting. Someone who will work hard and is dedicated and will sacrifice for the betterment of the program. Well, and I think that's really what it's all about, isn't it? I mean, I, what a college coach is interested in is not just a highlight reel. He wants to know what kind of a kid he's getting. Does he have a kid that's a committed team member? And I think if you go to a place like Kahuku, you're not going to fit in very well unless you're team first. Yes, exactly. And I think that's what a lot of the college coaches like about high school players when they recruit them. Are you going to be recruitable, and are you going to develop and be in the best interest for this team in the long haul rather than I bring you on for one year and then you're looking for the next best NIL deal or something. Our players are are committed and they're dedicated. You know, one of the things I, I was kind of tracking – the, cha- the Division One Open Championship, state championship, and you had, I think it was your nephew that was injured in that game. Yes. Yeah, he was, he was injured. And he's a terrific player. I mean, I hated to see that. And I thought Rod York was, I commend him for this, because he had uh, two players that were thrown out, and he just said, I, I can't explain that. There's no excuse for it. That's not how we coach. I mean, instead of a, he wasn't, you know, throwing officials under the bus. He wasn't saying it didn't happen. Uh, I thought that was uh, that was good sportsmanship. Yeah, it was. And you know, throughout the game, um, timeouts, you, people saw us kind of talking midfield. Um, he was very apologetic, always um, sending his condolences to my nephew. So, you know, I, I know Coach York. You know, I golf with him several times, and, you know, he's a class act, and he, I know he didn't have his players do that kind of stuff because it's a bang-bang. So throughout the game, he was very apologetic, and that's what we always talked about midfield throughout the game. Well, I just thought there was tremendous sportsmanship, obvious mutual respect uh, between you and Coach York. And uh, I, I just think it's wonderful how some of the kids that used to be go to the ILH private schools are now staying home in their own communities, and it's made a huge difference. I mean, the fact that we had an all-OIA uh, state championship division one was, was terrific. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm grateful that a lot of players want to stay home and represent their community 
and their families, for that matter, and then therefore their school. And it's kind of evening out the playing field across the state. You know, a lot of public schools now are in these playoffs and, like you said, in the finals as well. I don't know if people realize how good the the coaching has become very, very elevated. It was always pretty good, certainly with Cowley's dominance at St. Louis. But now the the coaching in the OIA is absolutely fabulous, and it shows. Yes, exactly. You know, we did clinics just recently on the Big Island and on Maui. And so you're right. The coaching across the whole state is elevated and you got some great coaches. And the reason why, too, is a lot of coaches are willing to learn and they're seeking the help. They're grabbing the knowledge. And so it's only going to get better. Oh, I think it's absolutely fabulous. And again, congratulations on all that you've accomplished. And I think uh, I think it's pretty evident why. I mean, you're out 5 a.m. The guys, it's hard to uh, get into trouble at night when you have to be at practice and sharp at 5 a.m. Yeah, that's why we tell our players: you guys got to sacrifice and be where you need to be when you need to be. Well, it's you're doing such a terrific job, Sterling. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes with us. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Sterling, uh, Sterling Carvalho, who is the head football coach at Kahuku and uh, now enjoying the, f- the fruits of another state championship. But as always, he's working while he's enjoying. Uh, good stuff. 28 minutes past 6 o'clock. We're going to take a timeout. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming coaches versus cancer. Still tickets available tonight. And then what is happening to the Philadelphia Eagles? Eagles, all coming up right here on ESPN Honolulu. Merry, Merry Christmas and a happy holiday to you. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of the program. So I wanted to remind you that the Coaches versus Cancer fundraiser is tonight at Rigger Reef, Kanakapila Grill, and uh, they'll get uh, underway at about 6 o'clock tonight, and I think that's right. I hope so. If I'm not, someone will call and tell me, but I think that's what I remembered. I didn't have it written down in front of me right here, but it, it, it is um, a terrific event, and Iran Ganat has sort of taken over the reins from Jim Beham as I think one of the people really keeps the drum pounding. And a lot of this is done well before the season starts. I mean, he's talking to all the coaches and, and trying to get commitments, and he's been very successful. All, I think the last, I want to say last four, five, six years, they've had all eight coaches come on, come down to the event, and uh, they'll be on the radio with me tonight, every one of them. It's going to be really fun, and they've raised a ton of money. It's a, really a great deal and an important uh, topic. Uh, is, does any anyone among us not have a family member that's had a bout with cancer? Uh, whether it's you've survived it or you didn't, uh, that person is always going to be remembered, and certainly events like this help tremendously. I wanted to just remind everybody how good this tournament's going to be. Uh, the first round games are going to be, I mean, it's a good one right off the bat, Nevada and Temple. Uh, and I'll just give you my, my little sense that I think I in that one, I'd probably pick uh, Nevada. And then TCU and Old Dominion, Jamie Dixon, former assistant, is the head uh, the University of Hawaii head coach at TCU, long time now, and I'm going to take TCU in that one. And then the in the other bracket, Hawaii's bracket, it's Georgia Tech against UMass, and then finally in the nightcap, it will be Portland 
and Hawaii. That's good fun. And uh, really, really looking forward to that uh, that battle. And if you have, there's still plenty good tickets available, both of the cancer fundraiser with heavy poo-poos. Uh, tonight, you could might want to come down for that. And then... Uh, then again, I, the, once this uh, Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic starts, you're going to be seeing wall-to-wall basketball. Really fun. And so I hope you can make it down. It's 34 minutes past 6 o'clock. If you have something, go ahead and uh, and jingle us up here at 808-296-1420 or text us. I wanted to. I have to get into this because... The narrative is so changing on certain teams in the NFL. I'll give you the prime example is is Philadelphia. I mean, Philadelphia is suddenly really struggling. They're struggling to score. For all the people that tell you, oh, it's the defense. Well, the defense gave up some a couple of receptions on the last drive that contributed to their loss, no doubt. But they were really good defensively until then. And I, I think Drew Locke made a couple of great plays. That's what got them into trouble. But you don't want to be in that position. And you avoid that position by having your offense be more effective than it was. Simple as that. I just don't think that people are prepared to accept, certainly the fans in Philadelphia, that remember, this is the city that booed Santa Claus. Now, I don't think people are going to come down too hard on Jalen Hurts. I mean, after all, the guy is sick. There's not much question about that. Uh, He had an illness, and he decided that he was going to play anyway, and the coaches decided to have him. I I secretly was kind of hoping that we'd see Marcus Mariota come on and do some magic, much like Tua did, uh, replacing Jalen Hurts a number of years ago at Alabama. Uh, And I, I hoped, and I certainly think Marcus Mariota's capable of that, but he didn't get the opportunity, just how it goes. If you have something, now's a good time, 808-296-1420. I just think we could talk about some teams that looked great uh, for a while and lately not as good. I would put the Detroit Lions in that category. Haven't looked as good even when they're winning uh, lately. Um, everybody says, well, you know, Dan Campbell, Coach Campbell, Dan Campbell is a, you know, he's he's a, and someone pointed, to, I think, uh, to, Tanner pointed out yesterday that he was uh, never a coordinator. He went right from a tight ends coach, and it's worked out well for him. It hasn't worked as well for Arthur Smith from tight ends coach to the uh, head guy of the Falcons because the Falcons aren't playing that well. And I think it comes down to possibly just the quarterback. I mean, is Ritter, is, is he as good as Goff? I think the answer is no, and that's a problem for them. They're, they're talking about... You know, replacing him, it's going to be, uh, I think, Taylor Heineke this week for Atlanta. So uh, replacing Ritter, I, I just think that's you're in danger of that if you have a couple of bad outings in the NFL. Now, I'm no one's suggesting, for example, that you know either Josh Allen, who's had a rough game or two, good in the last one though, it's recency bias, right? So I still think here's the deal: Josh Allen's a very good NFL quarterback. Period. Now, are some of the other guys that are lauded, are they as good? I don't know. I'm not sure that I think Dak Prescott is all that. I know some people love him. I, I think he's I think he's a decent to good NFL quarterback as far as I'm going. It always seems when the game comes up big, it's he's rarely there. That's just how it seems. Look at the recent history in the NFL playoffs, for example. It's not easy. 
I think it's not easy to be good, and it's especially not easy to be good if it's crunch time. And I do think there's some guys, I'll give you another example of a guy I'm not committed on, is uh, Kyler Murray. Is he talented? Absolutely. The guy is greased lightning. But does he make the big plays at the big moments? And I think so far the answer is no. You can say it's partly the roster, and I don't disagree with that. But nobody gives you a pass forever on a bad roster. Uh, Sooner or later, they're starting to hold quarterbacks responsible. It's always been true that quarterbacks get too much credit for wins and too much blame for losses. But it seems now that we are in this Instagram uh, era where people are snapping out right away when a guy has a bad game. He's a bum. Get him out of there. you got to get rid of him. You'll never be any good while you have him at quarterback. I don't want to tell you how many guys that's been said about. And it's turned out to be completely false. So you've got to be aware of false narratives. It takes patience. And even a veteran quarterback, if he's a little off his game, he's got an injury that's nagging, it can change the, the focus. i, I got to tell you, the guy who's most, maybe most impressed me this year has got to be Jake Browning. Jake Browning has been unbelievable. I mean, have you ever seen anything like the guy? I just think he's uh, he's coming up and doing things that nobody had a right to expect. And the thing about him is he's so level-headed and so calm at that quarterback position. Interesting stuff. And if you have something, come on with us and uh, and light it up. 808-296-1420. If you're the New York Jets, let me just give you this one. If you're the New York Jets, what do you do? Do you fire Robert Sala? Because that would mean the end of Nathan Hackett and Nathaniel Hackett. And Hackett is uh, is not popular with management, but he's very popular with Aaron Rodgers. How much control does Rodgers have? Would Rodgers actually not come back to play if that if the Sala Hackett thing came down and they didn't bring him back? I don't know. I th- is it possible? I've heard it. I've heard it speculated on as recently as this morning. I don't know if that's true. Who knows what uh, Mr. Johnson, the owner of the Jets, thinks? I don't. I really have no idea where he's at. Do you keep Zach Wilson? Now Aaron Rodgers wants them to keep Zach Wilson because he thinks Zach Wilson is just taking a little longer to develop than you'd hope. I don't know if that's true. But it's funny because they had they had started Tim Boyle, and after a bad game, they, they didn't just demote him. They cut him. Sort of how they do it, I guess. It's uh, 19 minutes in front of the hour. And weigh in if you like. I'd probably – I just think Zach Wilson probably needs a little more time. He needs a little more confidence. And playing in a year under uh, Aaron Rodgers, who he likes – and Aaron Rodgers likes him very much. He likes Aaron Rodgers. So I think that's two in the quarterback room is probably going to be really good for the development of Zach Wilson. That's my thought. He's got plenty of talent. He's got the arm talent. He's athletic enough. I mean, you could say with arm talent and athleticism, he's probably compares fairly closely to a guy like Joe Burrow. Now, I'm not saying he's the quarterback Joe Burrow is. There's no way. But I'm saying he's got about the same height. Same athleticism, same arm strength. I think that's close. 
on, on the on the measurables. I don't think it's particularly close at this point because Burrow came in with a national championship season at LSU and he had the swagger already. Zach Wilson was trying to, you know, I think I would say if you had to describe Zach Wilson, he's trying to he's trying to fake it till he makes it. And uh, I get that. But what else what choice does he have? And I think that right now the Jets have a future. I think the Jets have a pretty darn good roster. In fact, as much as people say Bill Belichick got to go to the Chargers, take that job, and he'll be back in Super Bowl contention, I don't think it would be any. I don't think it would be too much different if he was back with the Jets. He might be what the doctor. I wouldn't fire Robert Sala yet, but I'm just saying I would wait at least another year on that. Hey, Belichick could do his puppet act where he hardly talks without his lips moving. Uh, he could do that on, t- on TV for a year, and then if it doesn't work for Salah, he uh, could replace him. I, I, that would be, to me, palatable. I could imagine it. Let's put it that way. Go ahead. Uh, 808-296-1420 is our number. I wanted to uh, get back to this. Why do high schools love to come to Hawaii to play basketball tournaments? I think it's just the beauty of the place, the exoticism. So for people who don't think that high school coaches uh, are recruiting Hawaii high school athletes, I have news for you. Not only are they recruiting them if they're good enough, but Hawaii high school coaches are recruiting. I mean, that's the word I hear on the street. And I think that's more prevalent still in football than basketball, but I think it's less prevalent than it used to be in either sport. Just how it goes. It's 44 minutes, 43 minutes past 6 o'clock. If you have something, I'd love to hear from you. Go ahead, 808-296-1420. Plenty good seats available uh, for the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl. That's on the 23rd this year. So you might want to take a look at that. Get over at T.C. Ching Field. I think that'll be early enough to be really beautiful. And then... And then, of course, you got basketball surrounded. It's a basketball sandwich uh, with, with the meat being the, uh, your last chance to see Chevin Cordero on this field at T.C. Chang. And that is uh, – Hawaii didn't enjoy that so much when he was playing against Hawaii, but against Coastal Carolina, that'll be a lot of fun. And I hope you will uh, take a chance at that and uh, come down on the 23rd. And then the championship day – uh, for the uh, Diamond Head Classic is going to be on on Christmas Eve, which is a little different. So it kind of frees up your Christmas Day for family stuff. I kind of like this change. I think it'll be good for attendance as well. That's my suspicion. It's 44 minutes past. Let's do this. Let's take a quick timeout. I'd love to have you weigh in. Come right back. Best NFL teams right now for you. Who's in the Super Bowl? Tell us. Uh, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Welcome back to the Tuesday edition of the program. I'm Bobby Curran along with Liz Stacy, and we got a lot of things going on as it approaches Christmas time. Iolani Classic is, uh, again, chock full of outstanding mainland teams. And I, I don't, we've had a couple of close calls with Hawaii teams, almost knocking off powerhouses from the mainland, but not this year. This year it looks like it's going to be all 
uh, chalk. And I think that's that's the way it goes. But this is something that Hawaii people like to see. Hawaii kids love to get the chance to play against guys who will be pretty much straight up Division One players. I mean, that's just how it works. And it's it's rare when Hawaii gets one that's really that level. But we've seen great players. In fact, my broadcast partner was one of them. He didn't. He's an Iolani uh, grad, and he played at Washington State. He was highly recruited. They got to number four in the country his senior year. Uh, quite an interesting deal. And it's uh, now 6:49. If you have something you want to talk about, I'd like to talk. You want to talk high school basketball? That's fine. But I also want to talk about teams that are going to be left out of the NFL playoffs just because they haven't played well. They, I'll give you an example of someone who I think – I think that while the Atlanta Falcons were looking like they were in good shape, their collapse has coincided with Desmond Ritter's poor play, their, uh, their quarterback that they thought was going to be the future, and it looks like not. That's all I can say about that. I don't. I think they. I think there's people in Atlanta that are ready to part ways with Desmond Ritter. I, I think that's probably a little premature. We do this with quarterbacks. If they don't star out immediately, as some have. I mean, I think Jalen Hurts is a good example. When he got a chance to play, he was terrific, and that kind of saved. It. It has ruled out in this time poor play as being a reason to cut. Maybe cut would you say not cut him maybe but cut him out of the starting spot and I think that will be fended off because I don't think they have anybody they like as much and 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 I think that's even true for Marcus Mariota because I think if he was they were really high on Marcus he might have started yesterday that's my thought on that but it's Jalen uh, it's Jalen's game to lose and and he wanted to play in it so I think you have to respect that. We we have gone. We're going to say though that, but Atlanta is definitely one of those teams. I'm trying to think. You have another team that you're going to rule out. Uh, I actually think Indianapolis still has a chance, and I'm sure I got a friend on the line somewhere that's going. Or he'll so shortly be on the line who completely agrees with that. And you know Gardner Minshew. What can I say? The guy's got, guy's got you got to say, he may not have all the talent in the world, but he sure got some it factor. Couldn't say otherwise. It's 52 minutes past. Go ahead if you have something. 808-296-1420. Um, and Liz, check the text line to see if you have anybody weighing in. I'm sure I can. I don't want to do that thing that you do and that people do in talk radio, which is to tick somebody off enough that they pick up the phone. That, that's one approach, not mine. I think I think it's interesting enough that we cut the divisions or we cut the uh, certain conferences in half and then we start to narrow it down. I mean, it's funny how many teams, they always announcing every Sunday, like last week, it was the Jets. They, they are now disqualified mathematically from the playoffs. I mean, it's no surprise there, but everybody loves to harp on that. Did anybody, is that surprising anybody who who saw Aaron Rodgers get hurt for this, out for the season apparently with four plays in in the first game? I, I just think even though they were talking about him coming back, that it was contingent on the Jets still being eligible for the playoffs. If they got a situation, say, three games to go and they had to win all three of them, 
I do think we would have seen Aaron Rodgers. But in short of that, and we did fall short of that, no way. You're not going to see him. So I think we can talk about guys that maybe the teams have ultimate faith in. Look at how long it took. I really think only this year did Tua Tungo-Vailoa get a real grasp on that Miami Dolphins quarterback job. I mean, he, he had. I think he started to grab it last year, but this year he took control of it. And I think he's way more. I think you can credit a lot of that to his head coach. Uh, that's just what I'm saying. I think Coach Mike is a guy that inspires confidence, and he's the first one to just say no matter what he believes in Tua Tungo-Vailoa. Never got that from Brian Flores, I'll tell you that. We got Don on the line. Hey, Don. Hey, Bobby. Uh, talking about NFL, what do you think about the Ravens this year? you think they'll make it to the Super Bowl with the 49ers? I think they very possibly could. I think Lamar Jackson's playing as good as any quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. Can you think back, back. think back to the summer when they were not sure they were going to pay him? It seems unbelievable right. now because I think he's a legit candidate to be MVP. Right. So, and uh, 49ers, what do you think? I think that I think the choice would be, I think it's 49ers in the NFC, and I think it's Baltimore or Miami in the AFC. That's just my, that's how it seems to me. I think yeah, what I the, the thing that Miami cannot afford is a slow start or more injuries. Right. They need a healthy Tyreek Hill, a healthy Jason Waddle. They need a healthy Devon Shane. If that was all working, I think Miami's got a real shot to to not only get to the Super Bowl but to win it. Well, we'll, we'll see how it goes, Bobby. Yes, Thank sir. You. Thank you. And uh, we are almost out of time here. I don't know exactly. Liz, do you want to write it on the screen of what time we're out? And uh, let me give me a heads up on that so I'm not guessing. Great. Terrific. It's, um, unfortunately, even with glasses, I have a hard time seeing that. But anyway, that's that's on me, not you. Anyway, go ahead if you have something. 808-296-1420. And, you know, I just think the, the impatience with young quarterbacks in the NFL has never been worse. Would we even see some of the players that have become great I mean, would Aaron Rodgers ever have a ch- had a chance if they had to start him right away? And as it was, they had Brett Favre. But if they had to start Aaron Rodgers right away in his first year, would he would he ever gotten to be who he was? Maybe not, because he had a lot of time to prepare for that. Same with Brady had a lot of time to get ready to play. So I just think that we put guys in as rookies, as Desmond Ritter was last year, and then we complain when they're not up to snuff right off the bat. I think that's crazy. I think it's legit when people criticize a Russell Wilson, for example, and people wanting are wanting to know what uh, Sean Payton was complaining about and yelling at sort of Russell Wilson. He's not saying, and, and neither is uh, Sean Payton, but he was clearly unhappy with something that Russell Wilson did. I was surprised that Wilson didn't maybe snap back at him. I thought it might happen, but it didn't happen, at least that we could see on TV. So I'm telling you now that every situation isn't ideal, but if you've earned the chance or the right to be there longer, then you get that. But not for some of the young guys. 
Some young guys are out of jobs before they really had control of them. And I think that's inevitable in the NFL, especially when people are paying a rookie first rounder so much money. If you're not, people two years ago were saying the Dolphins shouldn't retain Tua. See if you could get a six round draft pick for him, people were saying. Craziness. Stay tuned for the sports animals. It'll be Gary Dickman, and I think he's got. Uh, I don't know. Is it Tanner Hayworth today, Gary? Tanner Hayworth along with Gary Dickman today. That's about going to wrap us up here. Thanks to Liz Stacy. She hasn't been feeling that great, but she, she worked through it. She toughed it out today. And we appreciate her efforts. That's going to do it uh, for all of us at ESPN Honolulu. I'm Bobby Curran. Aloha.